Welcome everyone to episode two of the Roast and Toast podcast. I am one piece of your three-piece suit of hosts. I am Jordan Geisler and I am joined here by John Shoup and Ryan Steinauer as always. John, Ryan, thank you for being here. No problem. We are once again meeting via FaceTime because of the quarantine blues. Uh, but don't worry, soon enough we will all be reunited face-to-face. I can't wait to see the faces of people other than my parents. Um, it will be a glorious event. Uh, but today, we have a great, great movie to roast and toast. We watched the movie What Lies Beneath from the year 2000. Uh, and I watched this movie a while ago. It was one of the movies that inspired me to want to do this podcast eventually we will roast and toast the movie that pushed me to do this podcast with ryan and john uh but guys what were your general impressions of the movie did you like it did you not like it um well i'm like i don't get really freaked out at like scary movies and i know y'all don't think it's scary but to me it was but i kind of liked it what scared you the most um uh, suspense and then like anything paranormal like it just freaks me out Fair, very fair. John, what did you think about it? So I actually watched this movie a couple years back and really enjoyed it then and have gone through again before this and re-skimmed it and re-watched it and still really enjoy it, actually. Okay, very interesting. Uh, so I the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, this is pretty good. And then like after I digested it for a little while, I was like, there are some issues with this movie um which we will definitely be getting into um but just a little uh or ryan uh since john did the summary last time would you like to summarize this movie for us sure okay so there's this family and their daughter just went off to college and the wife is like staring at the neighbors thinking they're like abusive and then she starts like getting haunted by this like ghost and then she's got a friend with like a Ouija board and then they like and she like gets possessed by the ghost who ends up being the um woman that is like she had an affair with this the wife's husband and like it got crazy at one point she possessed Claire and like tries to do the husband and then it's all about like finding out what happened to Madison the girl that was killed and then um Harrison Ford ends up dead all right wonderful synopsis just so people know this movie goes off the rails at multiple (laughs) points sometimes it doesn't even get back on the tracks it just stays off the rails Uh, i will agree with that a little bit of background information on this movie so it came out the year 2000 and it was directed by robert zemeckis uh so polar express fans here you go um it stars michelle pfeiffer and harrison ford and it had a budget of $100 million and earned almost triple that. It earned $291 million worldwide, worldwide and received pretty decent reviews. It has a 6.6 out of 10 star rating on IMDb. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 46% uh, critic score and a 58% audience score. So not too bad. It's pretty well received. It might be one of the better uh critiqued movies that we're going to be watching this movie stars uh harrison ford as dr norman spencer michelle pfeiffer as claire spencer uh harrison ford's wife 
Diana Scarwood as Jody, uh, who is Michelle Pfeiffer's friend in the movie. Miranda Otto as Mary Fior, uh, Michelle and Harrison's next door neighbor. And James Remar as Warren Fior, who is the husband of Mary and is also Michelle and Harrison's next door neighbor. This movie was nominated for multiple Saturn Awards, which um, is a award system uh, for movies dealing with science fiction and the supernatural. Uh, but unfortunately, the movie did not win any of the awards it was nominated for. Um, so just a little bit of information about this movie. Um, John, since you said you liked this movie, would you like to make the first roaster toast? So I, I should give a little back background of what I like in films. I was a music student for a long time and have always just loved musical compositions. Mm -hmm. And the soundtrack in this movie was phenomenal. It was pretty good. I, I will not deny. It, it was suspenseful. At times there was no music, which was almost as impactful as like the actual soundtrack. I absolutely adored the soundtrack. Very true. Uh, Ryan, what's the first thing that uh, jumped out to you or that you wrote down? I love the dog, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. There is a good dog. I forgot. Is it a St. Bernard dog? I don't think it's a St. Bernard, but he looks like one. Oh my gosh, he like he does like comic relief in some suspenseful parts. I love the dog. He was a great <laughs> dog. Uh, so the opening scene on this movie has Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, who fell asleep in a bathtub underwater. Um, don't know how that happens, but uh, she likes to take baths, as we're gonna find out in this movie. She loves using this bathtub. Uh, bath. Sorry, Ryan. What was that? It's just a lot of baths. Oh, yeah. Tons, tons of water. A lot uh, of foreshadowing. A lot of foreshadowing. Tons of water was wasted <laughs> on the for, on the half of this movie. In this bathroom, um, Michelle Pfeiffer starts to get herself ready for the day. One of the outlets in the bathroom shorts out and gives her a shock, um, which is a lead up we're going to come back to later on in the movie. But my roast was... This movie has a lot of lead-ups, some of which are never even acted upon. Um, yeah. So I was really confused by that, but they do come back to this uh, shorted outlet that will come back up again later in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, we meet Harrison Ford, who is uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's second husband. Uh, throughout this entire movie, Harrison Ford is so emotionless even when he's supposed to be really loving towards Michelle Pfeiffer, um, he's just so cold. Um, to be fair, like, that's just Harrison Ford. I mean, and as, like, Han Solo, he kind of has that demeanor, too, but in other movies, he's I've seen him ha be, like, emotional and be, like, have depth, I guess, but in this movie, he's just so straight-faced. Yeah, and his, anything I've ever seen him in, though, like, this is him. <laughs> and like he only has two emotions indifference and anger yeah. and he alternates between them throughout the entire movie he's never a very good summary of that. he's never happy no never happy yeah. throughout the entire movie he actually three emotions annoyance he's annoyed annoyance, yeah. a lot of the movie uh so michelle pfeiffer has a daughter stepdaughter to harrison ford he, as a stepfather, is also cold and heartless to her. Um, when they drop uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's daughter off at college, he doesn't care. He's just ready to get out of there. 
Um, so they that's how the movie starts. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's daughter is going off to college. They take her there. They drop her off. And the daughter's concerned about Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, oh, how are you going to deal with this? And this is a response that Michelle gives. She says, oh, I'm going to be fine. I have Norman and the garden and the new house. Is that the th- only three things that she has to occupy her time are her husband. She, she doesn't have a job. She does yeah. nothing. Uh, <laughs> she has her husband who is gone half the time because he's working. Her garden, which we never see. And the house, which is pretty much finished because it was Harrison Ford's father's house and that apparently they had to redo it. But she's never working on the house. She doesn't do any repairs. And she's never in her garden working on it. So even those three things really aren't even anything for Michelle Pfeiffer to do. Um, So I don't know how she's going to occupy all of her time. Um, By hunting down ghosts. uh, Apparently, hunting down ghosts and accusing her neighbors of things that they aren't doing (laughs) is going to occupy all of her time. Um... Throughout the movie, we have multiple, an excessive amount of scenes of Harrison Ford not wearing a shirt. Yeah, that's very true. It is excessive. It's unnecessary. Um, he looks good for his age. I'm gonna he say. Did look good. I was genuinely surprised. He's probably yeah. around like forty or so ish around this point. I didn't do the research to see how old he was when this was uh-huh. filmed because I didn't care. Uh, <laughs> but he looks pretty good. Um, like, no dad bod, like, he looks nice, but it's just, like, a little too much, um, going on throughout the entire movie made me feel uncomfortable, and then, at one point, something that, to me, was really gross, um, after they came back, and it's, uh, from dropping off Michelle Pfeiffer's daughter from college, um, they're, like, in bed, and Harrison Ford doesn't have his shirt on, and Michelle Pfeiffer is just stroking his chest hair. Yeah, that's... That scene is kind of like. Uh, I was like, please, stop this right now. <laughs> it was. She, she is handsy. They have, I mean, on Michelle Pfeiffer's part, they seem to have good chemistry, but Harrison Ford is so stone cold. I would feel like they're divorced, but she's putting. I felt like she put in a lot of effort to be like, oh, I'm a loving wife and I really like you, and he's just like, uh, I could go either way <laughs> see I, I kinda I think they both fit into their roles very well uh, like I see what you're saying he wasn't the super most outgoing loving guy but you also gotta think of like when this film was made also he is a murderer he's not gonna be like <laughs> in the world but like <laughs> don't spoil but um to that point he does show like obsessive qualities towards the end when we find out everything about him. Yeah. So you would think some of that would show in how he treats Michelle, but it doesn't. He's very indifferent towards her, even when they're trying to be intimate with one another. I guess that's true. And elaborating on that point, when they're in this scene, um, <laughs> a, they hear their neighbors from yard or maybe even a just like a like a mile or so away um their Whoa, neighbors are not that far it's like a, a quarter of a mile okay Next quarter of a mile um they hear their neighbors making whoopee from 
uh, from their house next door. I guess their neighbors had all of their windows open, and Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison have all of their windows open because it's so loud, you can hear it in the movie that they're making whoopee. Um, And it took me a long time to understand why they incorporated that into this scene because it's established um, a little bit earlier than that that their neighbor, that Michelle Pfeiffer's neighbors argue and uh, fight a lot outside. And so we have this um, depiction of them as like, oh, they're like the Bickersons or something. (laughs) And so then when they're making Whoopi, it's like, oh, they're uh, making up, you know, whatever you want to call it. But really the reason for that scene is to help support the reasoning that and this sounds really confusing now, but we'll cover it as this goes on, that their neighbors were never really arguing, but they were just always so passionately in love that they didn't know how to contain it, mm-hmm. which makes no sense based off the context clues were given. But again, we'll get to that later. I so, think it was just meant to show that, like, they're just to kind of buckle down on their relationship and establish more points of it. Because, yeah, like you said, so far, all we've seen is oh, they moved in three weeks ago and they've argued like 500 times in that three weeks. Yeah. But I do, even still, that scene made me so uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> no, I'll agree with that. So Michelle Pfeiffer is then uh, reminiscing about like the past because her daughter is gone and, you know, her garden can only take up so much of her time. And she's reminiscing over a scrapbook that she has in the basement. When she's flipping through this scrapbook, she scrapbooked an insurance claim she made on the car from when she had her accident. said insurance claim. I was, I was like, why is that something you would want to remember? Why would you scrapbook that? That makes no sense. I did not understand that either. But, I mean, it was so well labeled for us that how could we overlook that? Um, and Michelle runs out of the house to cry because she's looking at the pictures of her daughter and she's just so overwhelmed with nostalgia. If I were Michelle, I would not run outside to cry. I would do she my- She ran into her garden. She, well, she ran into her garden, which apparently is everything to her. Um, <laughs> but I would keep my crying inside where no one can hear me. Uh, but she decides to make it public so everyone can hear her sobbing out in the garden. Um... And we then, because of this setup, uh, we hear Michelle's neighbor crying as well, and she seems very distraught. And so Michelle runs over to the fence that divides their two yards, uh, where Michelle is standing on a rock and then slips and like hurts her arm, which is the first of many accidents that Michelle Pfeiffer is going to have in this movie, because apparently... She constantly has to be scratched somehow. Um, She's always drawing blood. Um, But they have the craziest dialogue, Michelle and her neighbor, Mrs. Fewer. It is absolutely insane. Do you guys want to um, talk about this a little bit? Well, how much do you want to go into it since I know what you have planned later on? Let's just dissect all of this scene because to me it was one of the worst scenes of the movie like okay so like like we've established the characters the neighbors have been established as like they fight a lot and also now we've got this side of them it's like very passionate and so miss fear um is like 
hysterical over her husband. She's saying, she's complaining, but we never get, like, there's no definitive sentences that come out of her. Yeah. That come out of her. Like, there's nothing that, that says, like, oh, yes, my husband does beat me, or yes, I we argue all the time. It's very ambiguous where it can be interpreted in many different ways and michelle yeah. interprets it the wrong way yeah she takes she takes so what what miss pierce says is basically like he's a lot and and what i get from their relationship and i don't know is it ever said that they're like newlyweds i don't think so it's not said or you don't think they are i don't i don't think it's said okay because that's kind of the feeling that i get just based off of they just moved into this house. They're fighting a lot. I, I think this is like a new relationship. Okay, that makes sense. Well, not a new relationship, but a new stage in their relationship. Yeah, yeah. That they're struggling to get. And yeah, and, and Michelle Pfeiffer, instead of taking the time to ask, just immediately goes, oh, it's abusive. Yeah. But to be honest, um, Mrs. Fuhrer comes across as so distressed and so yeah. overwhelmed that you would think... That it's not necessarily wrong to assume that position that Miss Michelle Pfeiffer took of oh this woman is being abused by her husband because no, not at all. Later in this episode, we're gonna give you a line by line of this dialogue, and <laughs> at the very end of the scene, Mrs. Fewer hears her husband coming up the driveway, and she's like, "Oh, I have to run. I have to get away right now," which seals the deal of like, oh, she can't be caught talking to someone else. When yeah. in reality, she's, like, so caught up in her husband. She's like, oh, the second he gets home, I need to be there to make Whoopi. Like, that <laughs> is what is really going on in the scene. Yeah. But it, it is kind of... I, I will say her, her, her step to abuse isn't a huge step. But I will say she goes too far after that. Yeah. She gets very invasive, very personal. Um, yeah. And so... Here's the deal. This plot of Michelle trying to figure out whether her neighbor is being beat up or even killed takes, and I timed it, I need to find it. I think it came to, <laughs> it takes up 50 minutes of this two-hour movie. 50 minutes we spend chasing this plot that we eventually find out has nothing to do with anything. Because the end of this movie does not chase after the neighbors. It chases after a ghost that is taking over Michelle Pfeiffer's house. I'll agree that, like, yeah, the neighbor plot doesn't have anything to do with what actually ends up becoming the plot. But it does take Michelle Pfeiffer on the steps to get to that point. Uh, I guess. I guess. (laughs) I don't really know if I buy it. To me, this is just the most aggravating point of the movie because... We, we legit spend 50 minutes of this movie <laughs> chasing after that something long. that ends up having no result. Okay. okay. That, that doesn't come back to serve a greater purpose. Um, it's yeah, because I guess they do just kind of say, oh, nope, it was nothing, and then leave it at that. Yeah, as if like, oh, they've been happy this entire time, their marriage is perfect. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. So... Um, time passes, Michelle Pfeiffer is, um, creeping on her neighbor, she's watching out of her bedroom using binoculars to watch the husband, because Michelle is now convinced that Mrs. Fewer has disappeared, and that 
Mr. Fjord killed his wife. Um, so she's, you know, staring at him, watching him all the time. Um, and she thinks at one point that the guy breaks into her house because um, something that goes on within the movie that is never followed up on, um, a lead up that is never followed up on, is that her front door doesn't lock. And that's a great lead up for like an intrusion movie. Like, yeah. oh, my door won't stay shut so people can break in easily. But that whole problem, which comes back multiple times within the movie, never plays any significance for the rest of the film. It's never like, oh, someone just broke into the house because my door's unlocked. It's just, oh, the door's unlocked. I should probably get that fixed. Well, I think, I think the door being unlocked was like, her oops, my phone almost fell sorry um was her thinking the ghost was like opening it mm, uh i don't know <laughs> i'm very very skeptical of everything to do with this movie <laughs> and see i'm the opposite so we'll have <laughs> ryan you're gonna need to be our our mediator on this part i'm sorry you'll keep like breaking in and out oh um, um can you hear us now though slightly okay Fingers crossed. Uh, just pipe up whenever you have a comment. Um, so, moving on, um, we find out that Harrison Ford is a geneticist at a university. He makes um, good money, I guess. Um, apparently, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, the insurance claim from her scrapbook, uh, had to deal with the car accident Michelle Pfeiffer had about a year ago, which we find out nothing about until halfway through the movie. Um, and so that's just always dangling there is that Michelle Pfeiffer was in a car accident and apparently being in a car accident means you're completely unstable in every single possible way. And then, uh, we meet Jody who is one of Michelle's friends. Uh, Jody comes to the house. Um, and she was like, Oh, Michelle, how are you doing? And Michelle is like, Oh, why are so many people ask me if I'm doing okay? Legit, yeah. this friend of hers is the only person we ever know that actually <laughs> asks how Michelle is doing. Um, so, for all we know, she's only been asked this question one time. Um, and then, again, when Michelle Pfeiffer is talking to her friend, she brings up the garden and she's like, Oh, you know, I'm so worried about my garden because I have to take pictures of my yeah we never see this garden but she's like i have to take pictures for the garden club and it's just so stressful like i have so much work to do never do we see this garden (laughs) this ever important so almighty place in michelle pfeiffer's life we never ever see the garden um and so then uh, later on um we get another shirtless scene of Harrison Ford. Um, it's extravagant in every single way. Um, <laughs> and then um, Michelle Pfeiffer's daughter never calls. No, we never we never hear from her again, do we? We never hear from her again. She's in this movie for maybe two minutes, and then we <laughs> never get her back. Because the Mich- only purpose she served at the start was one to prevent Harrison Ford and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer from doing whatever you say. The from making whoopee. <laughs> and then secondly, to make Michelle Pfeiffer cry after they leave. Yeah, that's pretty much the only role she plays. Because Michelle Pfeiffer later on 
is trying to call her daughter, but her daughter's roommate picks up. Daughter never calls back. Um, yeah. So daughter just does not give a crap about how her mom is doing. Um, to me, that was a, just a big issue. Um, and then this is neither a roast nor a toast. It's just a question. When mm-hmm. Michelle is on the phone uh, trying to call her daughter, she hangs up and she's at the dock um, where their house is. Their house overlooks a lake and she's standing at the dock um, and she sees the dead girl's body. Um, and we'll talk about who this dead girl is. In the um, water. In the water. Was yeah. this really the girl's body, or was it just a hallucination? So, is 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 this lake that backs up to the back of their property, I assume, the same one that the bridge crosses? I do not know, but okay, I would argue it isn't. Okay, and then at the, at the same time, this obviously happened, because this happened, what, like a year ago? Because it was around the same time that she wrecked, right? Yes, that's correct. So, I'm going to guess that it's not her like actual body it's like a spirit so i don't think we're dealing with like a zombie but we're dealing with a ghost because harrison ford says when he admits to killing this girl he's like oh and i dumped her in the lake or somewhere and yeah so her body and the other stuff in the lake so then this could be the actual girl's body that somehow surfaced up to the water but at the same time at the end of the movie when michelle pfeiffer kind of drives off to uh, like at the edge of a riverbank near the bridge mm-hmm. the girl's body is there inside of a car yeah which has multiple problems because how why was she in a car if harrison ford said he killed her and then just dumped the body in the lake how would she have gotten in the car i um, don't know well, and then, i think like, he dumped her car yeah no yeah he's so he did say he pushed her entire car but i don't think her body was in the car I swear he said he just dumped her body in the lake. I think he says he dumped her body, but then he also says he pushed her car into the lake. So, but, so she was outside of her car. I think so, yeah. But when we find them... No, under, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know. Because we find them in the water and she's inside her car, so they did not execute this well in the no. movie. So I, I guess I still don't... Ryan, what do you think? Do you think that was the girl's actual body in the lake staring at michelle pfeiffer do you think it was a hallucination i think it was more of like a ghost following her because you could like see her face like like in like the mirror earlier like when she wiped it and said like you know yeah like her face would just show up i think that was just another thing like that i guess okay. I, I'm, I'm sorry then, go ahead the same subject so like at the end of the movie not to be jumping around so much but um where they crash into off, off the bridge into the lake like harrison ford actually gets grabbed by madison yeah so that would point to more like not zombie but you know what i mean like she's her body is actually animated and living yeah yeah that and believe me we are going to cover that end scene because it is insane (laughs) all of the details involved are insane um (laughs) we will definitely be coming back to that point um so michelle pfeiffer freaks out because she sees this girl Maybe she really is there. Maybe she isn't. We don't know. Up here in the lake. Um, so now she starts freaking out. She drives to Harrison Ford's office. Um, and apparently he's a geneticist. But they're testing drugs in the office. Which doesn't make sense to me. 
Um, yeah. And the drug that they're testing is essentially a roofie. Um, they're <laughs> testing out roofies on rats um, because they say, like, oh, this drug will knock out the rat for up to five minutes. Um, they will be conscious, but they can't actually move or do anything, but they can be completely aware. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have several questions about this. Well, okay. one, I just have a statement. I saw this coming a mile away, the fact that they were putting this in at the beginning of the movie because it comes back at the end. Um, but what kind of doctor would use this kind of drug to not knock you out and not take away pain? It's just rendering you unable to move. Why yeah. would anyone choose to use this drug? Uh, could be, I mean... Because go ahead, Ryan. Pervert and rude. Because you're a murderer and you like to see people. Well, but like, the rest well, of the scientists aren't murderers. murderers. They are. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I Honestly, like, Ryan, you're answer i completely agree i think that's the only explanation i can't think of a single reason why any doctor would use this drug when it doesn't take away pain and it doesn't render you like unconscious so that you can like be out of it for a procedure it doesn't make sense yeah no i don't know either but um so there's no medicinal reason yeah there's no medicinal reason so this lead up is really only told to us so that uh we can un understand it at the end of the movie when it's used again so they michelle starts telling harrison like oh this is what happened and he doesn't really believe it time and time again michelle pfeiffer will experience these things and tell harrison and he doesn't believe her um which may or may not be real because he knows that he killed this girl um but at the time he doesn't know that's the girl that he killed so then later on we get this weird exchange between Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford where he, somehow they talk about Harrison Ford's dad, who was also a geneticist at the university Harrison Ford works at. And they talk about Harrison Ford's dad as if he doesn't come up in conversation because he's a sore subject. When they talk about him, Harrison Ford gets all defensive and touchy, but we never get any explanation later on as to why this is, as if there's some broken relationship between them because Harrison Ford's dad is dead. The whole scene doesn't make any sense because it serves no purpose and never comes back in any way in the movie. The only thing we like know about his dad and the only thing that even matters slightly to the plot is that he's dead and they're living in his house. Yeah. Which is really all we need to know. Maybe she thinks that like his ghost is haunting the house. True, because later on Harrison Ford says that he yeah. Whether he really believes it or not, claims that it it's his dad. It setting up that tangent to draw attention away from the fact that Harrison's a murderer. There is something, and I want to see if you guys caught on to it. Someone in this movie was obsessed with solitaire and incorporated it into the movie every chance that they got. <laughs> I did not notice that. Because Michelle Pfeiffer... Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer's always playing solitaire on the computer, and then when Michelle Pfeiffer goes to spy on her neighbors next door, she looks in, and solitaire is set up on one of the tables. <laughs> I guess everyone in this world just loves playing solitaire so much. Um, there's no greater card game. Um, it could be to, like, this is going into, like, deep movie analysis, but it could be, like, to establish their independence and their disconnectedness from each other. Ooh, good point. Um, I I would buy that. I think that's a very great point. 
Because, um, like, solitaire is a one-man game, and if you're playing it, it means nobody's around there to do anything with you, and she feels disconnected from her husband, and she thinks the neighbors are disconnected from each other. Ooh, John, look at you. Look at you <laughs> just showing us up. So, uh, time passes, Michelle continues spying on her neighbors. A toast I did have uh, was that I was, I did actually jump a little bit when Michelle points her binoculars over at the neighbor's house. Oh, she, he's looking? And he's looking directly at her. Um, yeah, that I, was freaky. I did jump at that. I thought that was, it was a good one. Uh, I will give credit where credit is due. And then... Right after that, Harrison Ford comes into the house, and we have that whole scene about, like, oh, Michelle thinks someone broke into the house because uh, the door's unlocked or whatever. Um, and But it was really just Harrison Ford, so it was a false scare. And he's like, oh, we're late for dinner. Like, we're meeting my friends. Um, so she gets ready. They're on the bridge. Um, another kind of obvious lead-up that we're going to get is about how you don't get... Spot. Yeah, there's a dead spot of reception on the bridge, and you have to make it to like a like a halfway point before you get any cell reception. Also, going to come back at the end of the movie, just like the experimental drug. <laughs> and then when they meet Harrison Ford's friends for dinner, there's a point when uh, Michelle tells the husband and wife uh, like how they met. When they fell in love, she's like, "Oh, I was a uh, I was a celloist, like for a professional orchestra." And then we fell in love, so I gave it up. <laughs> I just, like, quit playing cello forever. Except for one scene in the movie where she plays, like, two notes on the cello. I don't understand why she completely just stopped playing cello for good just because she got married. Women don't need to do anything after marriage. I mean, like, didn't we, like, get everything we need now? I guess. I mean, she has her garden, which takes up so much of her time, so... I mean men are a gift to the world so absolutely and he i mean he's a provider so she has no reason to be working at all um so i guess she even just for fun she doesn't ever need to even touch a cello uh let alone play it um and then harrison ford rudely outs michelle pfeiffer (laughs) for thinking that the house is haunted and he, he kind of just brings it up for a conversation piece. He's like, oh, well, my silly old ex-celloist wife thinks that our house is haunted. And I was just like, why you gotta go and do that to Michelle Pfeiffer? Harrison Ford, you are lucky to have her. Um, I was I was offended for Michelle uh, in that moment. And then, yeah, I don't know why he did that. There's no reason for it. It doesn't, like, come back later. Yeah. He's just a mean person. Unless he was, like, trying to throw her off the case. Maybe he was trying to, like, make her look stupid so that she would think, oh, this really is something stupid and I shouldn't even try and pursue it anymore. Yeah, so that maybe, she'd give it up or something. Yeah. Maybe it was a character trait reveal where we do see, oh, Harrison Ford really is a mean guy. He is a really bad husband. And so the dinner's over. They go home and Michelle... Pfeiffer is working on a picture frame that broke earlier in the movie um of all time to work on fixing a picture frame I always choose right before I go to bed too um <laughs> so I guess that's you know common knowledge to you, you were pit- to do it. yeah that's the time to do it right before you go to bed and then so they go home uh, Michelle Pfeiffer goes into the bathroom and she sees that the tub was filled to the very top like oh yeah 
almost overflowing. And it's a talent. Honestly, the people knew what they were doing with the bathtub scenes in this movie. Um, I want to know why the ghost felt the need to fill it all the way to the very top of the bathtub. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer looks into the reflection of the water and she sees the ghost of the dead girl uh, and she freaks out. She then starts going to therapy and this therapist is so unprofessional because one, he never takes notes of anything Michelle says. Of all the candies to have in your office, he has <laughs> fireballs, like the hot spicy candy. It's what he likes. That way no one else eats his candy. Yeah, yeah, and Michelle, it's so awkward. Michelle Pfeiffer takes it, she sucks on the candy, and then she like spits out the piece of candy. It is so unsettling watching her like suck on the candy and then just like spit it out into her hand. Um... <laughs> I just did not like it. And then right... Again, no point. Uh, yeah, no point. And then she, right after she spits it out, she blurts. She's like, there's a ghost in my house. Like, they've been talking for a couple of minutes just about, like, her daughter being away at college. And then after spitting out the fireball, she's like, by the way, I think my house is haunted. Like, I and guess that's why I'm here. About it. Yeah, like, he buys in to her delusions. And he's like, oh, do a seance. Yeah, he legit is like... Oh, I think you should try and communicate with this ghost. I'm sorry, are you a ghostbuster or are you a therapist? Because you can't be both. Um, he's just like feeding into this potential delusion she has. Mm-hmm. Well, as someone who wants to be a therapist, you need to let people tell their story. And maybe he was like gonna look for like hidden meanings in it. And you're saying she thinks there's a ghost in her house? Um, I mean, I'd have to ask questions about it, too. I'm not just going to say, you're stupid, and, like, because that's how you lose your license. <laughs> that's how you be a good therapist. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not saying that's what he should have said, but I don't... If we're interpreting this as, like, say her house really wasn't haunted and she was just delusional, would it He's have just been... just into it. Yeah, would it have been healthy for him to just feed this cycle for her? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if he knew her long enough and knew she was actually delusional. Yeah. Because there are stats that show, like, with ghosts and stuff, that the more people, like, dive into it, the more they believe it. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't know. I feel like that, to me, that just seems really unprofessional. This has nothing to do with anything, but one of the few toasts I had for this movie was that Michelle Pfeiffer just looks really nice in this movie. Like, she has a, a close-up uh, when she's doing the Ouija board thing with her friend after the therapy session. In the close-up, you know, she looks really nice in those close-ups. She looks really nice throughout it's the entire movie. I mean, since all she is is a housewife, I feel like I need to, you know, confirm that. And, you know, because all she's worth is for her looks, I guess, because That's she can't play cello anymore. I guess it's all she's worth. She needs so much assurance from others about her being fine because they have the seance, they kind of get a response, um, they kind of don't. And then when her friend leaves, Michelle Pfeiffer's like, I'm okay, right? And she, <laughs> she asked the therapist the same thing. Like she's always asking people to assure that she's okay. Mm-hmm. So she must have low self-esteem. Uh, I mean, everyone around her is always asking, are you okay? Like, as if she's always falling apart. Because so apparently... she's buying into it. Yeah. Well, 
But part of that is because, like, she does have actual memory loss from the wreck. It's established at the party where, I guess, the host, like, early on, where she's talking to the host. Um, I don't remember exactly what's said, but she asks her something, and Michelle Pfeiffer, like, just has no idea what she's talking about. Well, like, the memory loss, though, is so specific. Because, like, I, yeah. I, I remember that scene, and... The host is like, oh, well, last year when this happened, you were so distraught. And so Michelle basically forgot, like, the all of the events of, like, the two days before she wrecked her car. She re- she remembers everything else. She has no other memory loss. It's the strangest kind of... specifically around there. Yeah, it's the strangest kind of memory loss. It is. I, I will give you that. And so... Like, psychologist... Yeah. I don't know anything about memory loss. Don't ask me. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I found my note. Um, I wrote down it was fifty three minutes of this film that Holy we spent chasing the whole neighbor being murdered thing, and so we find out that in all reality the neighbors are fine. They're just so passionate with each other um, that they have mental breakdowns and start <laughs> to cry about missing each other so much. They have been arguing, which is strange because they are shouting at each other um, at the beginning of the movie when they're outside. So they must have some kind of issue. Well, I just don't know what it is. Um, Again, I think it could just be like, they just moved into a new house. I'm guessing they're newlyweds because I guess they're not super young. They're, maybe they just found love a little later in life. Yeah, but I, I'm going to guess they're just like newlyweds and dealing with learning how to live together and all that stuff because we never have any other thing to show that like they're not normal yeah uh, other than the fact they are so overwhelmed with passion to continuously make whoopee (laughs) (laughs) yes other than that and so um michelle pfeiffer after another uh run-in with this ghost at her house um goes to harrison ford's office and he is very angry with her over this fact that she's distraught, he accuses her of trying to sabotage his work. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Honestly, she's just like, no, I'm not like upset with you. I'm not upset with the fact that your work takes you away a lot. Um, but yeah, he's like, I just think there's a ghost trying to murder me. Yeah, and he's like, no, you think this ghost is real so that you can sabotage what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Which hey, make, men are nothing if not insecure. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, and then right after that scene, um, since they're at the university, Michelle Pfeiffer runs into the husband from next door, accuses him of murdering his wife. The wife enters and she's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm fine. And then Michelle's like, oh, I guess I was just dumb. Uh, and then they like the neighbor's wife comes over to Michelle Pfeiffer's house and they have like a discussion and the neighbor explains why she was so distraught when they had that whole conversation at the fence. Yeah, um, she never really explained like why she was like acting like she was being beaten. Thank you. It's never it doesn't given. Explain anything. All no. she says is she's like, she's like, "Have you ever been so overwhelmed over longing for someone that you don't know what you'll do?" That is not enough to justify her reaction to the situation. (laughs) That does not sound like a healthy relationship. It sounds very obsessive. 
flash forward, we're at a dinner party for Harrison Ford and his work or something. Another toast that really has nothing to do with anything. I have so much respect for Michelle getting her crunk on at this dinner party. She is downing wine like nobody's <laughs> she business. is a bunch of glasses in. Honestly, like she's she's tossing them back. No cares in the world. Um, so shout out to her. I thought that was great. More power to her. Um, after all, she is just a housewife, you know, so I guess that's how she passes her time when she's in the Drink garden. Wine all day. She's Drink wine in the garden. She's just a wino. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're at the dinner party, and then we have that scene that we kind of talked about where the host comes over and she's like, Oh, well, like, it's, I'm glad to see you well because a year ago um, you weren't doing well. And then Michelle Pfeiffer is like, Oh, I ran out of here because I saw some woman. And she's like, Oh, the woman is the ghost, since it's definitely not my dead neighbor who was killed by her husband. Um, and so. Uh, Michelle goes home and she starts researching stuff. Harrison Ford coming into the room wearing a shirt that just says East on it. Uh, <laughs> accuse, he's like telling her to stop. Do you guys want to point out anything going on around in this scene? Well, we've, we've seen the first change in uh, Harrison Ford's emotional range. True. We finally get the <laughs> anger part out of his character. I don't know. I mean, this is just all building up to, like, I guess a decent, like, plot twist. Yeah, like... It was a very expected plot twist, but I was I didn't know what it was going to be. Like, I felt like we spent a whole lot of time just doing nothing. Yeah. I'll... Yeah. Because after this, Michelle doesn't stop trying to chase after this. She found a headline about a girl who was murdered around the time i think of michelle pfeiffer's accident so she uh-huh. finds out a name she contacts the mother of the dead girl and goes over to her house um the dead girl's name is madison and madison's mom legit just welcomes michelle pfeiffer a complete stranger <laughs> into the house um and she's just like oh yeah you can come in like let's talk about my daughter even though i don't know how you know her Okay, so let's let's take a step here and address this just general movie trope. Is it like common knowledge that after someone dies in your family, you have to accept anyone in that asks you about them? I guess so, because apparently that person has no other purpose in life than to talk about their dead relatives. Gotcha. Okay, just make, I just wanted to make sure I understood. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so then, well, like the weirdest part was like the mom like turned the TV. She's like just like came in. She's like, hey, you want to watch TV? With me? <laughs> yes. Like, Yes, the it's mom like, is watching. She's watching a soap opera, and she tells Michelle Pfeiffer, "She's like, I don't need an. I don't even need to have the sound on to know what's going on in the show." <laughs> I was like, "Since when are we riffing off of soap operas? What is going on?" And so Michelle Pfeiffer um, looks into Madison's room at all of her stuff. Another trope that happens in these kind of movies is you look in the dead person's room for stuff uh, michelle pfeiffer steals a lock of hair from of madison's that just happened to be there michelle pfeiffer uh goes home and then we have the craziest making whoopee scene in oh, the yeah. world because you kind of touched upon this earlier john that she was possessed we are given no certification that that's the case no explanation of how it might have happened, if it really even did happen. Mm-hmm. 
But Michelle Pfeiffer is just overcome with this. I, I don't really even know how to describe it. She starts like wearing this like weird smile on her face, and she's wearing. She is super frisky. Yeah, she's wearing this like funky dress um, around Harrison Ford. And she takes an apple that he's about to eat, and she's like, forbidden fruit. And <laughs> I was just like, what is going on here? It was, assaults him with it. Yeah, and then she, like, makes him take a bite of it while she's holding it in her hand. And then she kind of sits on top of him when he's sitting on his desk, and she licks his face. It is... Hey. We don't, we don't shame around here. It is so <laughs> strange. And then we get another shirtless Harrison Ford scene because uh, Michelle Pfeiffer takes off Harrison's shirt. She's like being, uh, I, get, I guess she like bites him or something because he like throws her off of him and she uh, falls to the ground. Her eyes change colors. Oh, did they? Yeah, they go like like really bright green. Which I had I had to look up because I was confused, but it's supposed to be like the ghost, quote unquote, that's possessing her, like shining through, and Harrison recognizes the eyes as Madison's eyes. Oh my gosh, that totally went over my head. I thought it was just that she was being like too aggressive, and that's why. No, her eyes flash like really bright green, and he recognizes them as Madison's eyes. Huh. Which, like, yes, is a long stretch, but it's what it was supposed to be. I guess. That, the whole, and then, like, Michelle Pfeiffer looks in a mirror and sees the girl, the dead girl in the mirror's reflection standing at the door. Yeah. It's, it's really weird. It, it, it's explained so poorly. Um, <laughs> and so we do then find out that Michelle, I guess, had temporary amnesia. And that's why she didn't remember this. Her husband had an affair with a student of his. Um, and Madison, the dead girl, was the student he had an affair with. Um, and so th there's never any other mention of this temporary amnesia in the movie, really. Um, no. But it's only that one thing that her husband that her husband had an affair. That's the one thing she has amnesia about. The only thing mm -hmm. she forgets. And so... Now they're fighting because she's like, how could you keep this from me? And Harrison's like, well, I, it was nothing. Like, it meant nothing to me. And so um, Michelle's like, I gave up my music for you. And I'm, I'm just like, you didn't have to stop playing cello for fun just because you got married. Then, like, uh, it's still up in the attic. It's not like you sold it. Yeah, like, it's still there in the house. And then... She says she did it so that Harrison could be the perfect daddy, have the perfect family, and live the perfect life. First of all, he's not the perfect dad because he does not give a rip about his stepdaughter. Um, nope. Nor does he have any emotion towards anyone except the main three, indifference, anger, and annoyance. <laughs> so she gave up her cello playing for nothing. Um, and then when he's talking about the affair, he's like, I'm sorry, but I slipped. Like, it's not a big deal. I'm sorry, you did not slip. If you had an affair, you legit fell and stayed on the ground. You did not just slip and stay on your feet. Michelle Pfeiffer storms out of the house. She stays with her friend Jody for the night. She comes home, finds Harrison Ford, again shirtless, 
in the shower. Um, he was paralyzed apparently because the blow dryer, which was plugged into the faulty socket, fell in the shower. Um, I think he tried to kill himself. I thought it was an accident. It'd be such a weird accident. Although I don't know why he would have tried to kill himself either. Maybe he was trying to make it look like he killed himself to get some sympathy. I kind of thought that he had... Well, because he staged the event. He was never actually paralyzed. Uh, He was just trying to get Michelle's attention back on him. Maybe it was also for the sympathy so that she wouldn't be on his case. And then after that, Michelle busts out her cello... Um, she's wearing all black, so it feels like she's in mourning, and she plays like two notes on her cello, and then she just stops. They spend more time together. Michelle picks up more clues to think that Harrison Ford is really shady about everything that's going on. She uncovers a store that has a necklace with this interesting shape that was on a box she found at the bottom of the lake near her house. Um, Well, she found the box after the store, right? No, she saw it for the first time before uh, the store, I think. But then she actually went and brought it back up from the water oh, after okay. seeing it, I think. Well, because she found yeah, the key. Because I thought she had found the key in the house, recognized the key in the boxes at the store, and then put two and two together and said, okay, if I have a key that looks like these, there must be a box somewhere that looks like these. I think she found the key at the beginning of the movie when a picture frame was knocked over. Yeah. She then later on saw, she dived in, I think she dived into the water, saw the box with the insignia of the weird sign. And is this, that's the time that Harrison Ford comes and gets her, right? Yeah, he drags her out of the water. She then And then she goes in again. No, that's the, or yeah, she goes in later. She goes back in to get the box. Yeah, she okay. she sees the okay. insignia at the store, and then later she goes back into the water to get the box. Gotcha, okay. She brings up the box. Inside the box is a necklace with the insignia, which she also has a, a an exact necklace. And so then Michelle makes the big confrontation with Harrison. She's like, you killed the girl, didn't you? And he's like, well, should I have sacrificed all I did over reporting her suicide? Um, uh, yes. 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 It was his fault. It was his affair. Because he... 100% yes. Yes. Well, and then he was like, oh, just forgive me. Like, yeah. you murdered somebody. Yeah, and he's oh. like, we could just put this behind us. But if you want, I guess I could call the cops. <laughs> if that's really what you insist I mean if you think that's the right thing to do I, I guess I could report this murder I committed uh, Michelle's like uh, yeah I'm gonna bust you for this he supposedly calls the cops to report himself he goes upstairs so he can clean up before the cops come she goes upstairs uh, redials the most recent number called and it wasn't the police um, so she's like, oh, I knew it. And then out of nowhere, Harrison Ford comes out from behind and, um, uses the roofie drug he created to drug Michelle and make her go like rigid. She can't move or anything. And then one toast that I had is that when Michelle tries running from the house, but the drug slows her down and she eventually can't move at all. There's a really cool shot of oh, her from under the floor. Yeah. From under the floor. 
It's yeah. like she's laying face down on the floor and the camera is underneath her, like looking straight at her as if the floor were invisible. And then it comes up to follow them as Harrison drags Michelle. Um, that was that was one of my biggest toes for the entire Just like the cinematography, some of the shots were amazing. Yeah, and like they were they beautiful. They were really cool. They did a really cool effect a lot through it with like windows or mirrors and stuff where they'd show you stuff in those. And uh, I, just, I thought the cinematography was amazing. One of the only legitimate hosts in this movie, I feel. Then Harrison goes into his like psycho monologue of like why he did what he did. Um, he seems so strange, even for a psycho. Um, he seems to have done everything out of love, but he's always so upset with Michelle and indifferent to her that it doesn't ever feel like he's in love with her. So Yeah, I can see that. And again, I don't know if that's just like his range as an actor or bad writing, but I, th- there was kind of a lack of emotional depth in their relationship. Yeah, he never seemed all that committed to it. Harrison then makes a phone call to Michelle's friend Jody to act as if oh they had a fight um to i guess cover for michelle's what will be her i guess disappearance because he's gonna try and kill her um and he shoves the phone down his pants afterwards um (laughs) which to me was not only unsanitary but in a a strangely weird place to put a phone um i wasn't gonna question it yeah it it was uh, and this is this is back in the day when phones were like big and bulky, um, and it has like that antenna on it. So this phone is rubbing up against things. Um, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Um, Harrison is still obsessing over the dead girl, but he's also still obsessing over Michelle. So I'm really conflicted as to where his loyalty lies, if it's towards the girl or if it's towards Michelle. Um, I think it's to himself and yeah. just himself. And, and so I don't know if he's obsessing like actually over Madison or just he can't let go of like how it ended. Well, but she was going to go to the dean, and so he was like, "I have to find a way to end this," and he did it in a terrible way. But uh, at this point of the movie, I've just like resigned, and I'm just like, "It's time for this to be over." Um, <laughs> so Michelle is in her beloved bathtub. She can't move. Um, Harrison has. Uh, put in the drain so the water's just filling up in the bathtub again water is just being wasted on this movie michelle is like well okay actually a roast i have is that at the beginning of the movie when we first hear about the drug they say it could last from three to five minutes potentially michelle i i timed it michelle is paralyzed for nearly eight minutes holy moly so either they didn't yeah either they didn't time it right or the drug is more effective than they presumed um, yeah. But Michelle is trying to, like, her toe can kind of move, so she's trying to pull out the drain, and then Harrison Ford notices, and he's about to do something when the strangest series of <laughs> events happens where, like, a mirror tilts and hits Harrison Ford in the head, and then he slips on water, bangs his head against the sink, um, yeah. and he's bleeding out the back of his head. Um, it was not very well choreographed. Um no. And then he, like, reaches, like, he, after he falls, he tries to, like, reach back over into the tub with his bloody hand to get her. But he just falls back down because he's lost so much blood, I guess. Um, yeah, that scene was kind of, kind of strange. And the logic behind it and what will 
soon to come, what will be soon to come, makes no sense because if he's lost so much blood that he can't even move to reach her in the bathtub and he just falls unconscious, he eventually gets up and walks down the stairs, mm-hmm. falls on the floor again, and then runs outside to chase Michelle Pfeiffer when she tries to drive off because, spoiler alert, she's able to unplug the drain and save herself. Um, <laughs> she gets out of the car. She finds Harrison Ford lying on the uh, like uh, main floor of the house, covered in blood, and she tries to grab the phone, but he twitches and she screams. Also, that's something I wanted to bring up. Michelle Pfeiffer screams so much in this movie. It's not the best scream, and it's very just like, ah! like it's just very bad. It's um, a very um, unscared scream. Yeah, not terribly authentic. One thing that I actually thought was kind of clever is that when Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, she starts to go underwater when she is in the bathtub, and the water's like getting up to her face and it covers her ears. From then on, we only hear what she hears muffled from Which the water. was really cool. I thought that was a great move. Um, yeah. It was well done. I thought that was actually pretty good. Um, but even underwater, how could she not have heard Harrison get up from the floor? Because I feel like if he was really slipping between consciousness and unconsciousness because of the blood loss... He would be, like, stumbling around and, like, making a bunch of noise, but you never hear, like, a thump or anything to signify that. That's a good point. I feel like she would have heard that even being underwater. Michelle runs downstairs. She gets past Harrison. She steals some uh, car keys. She's driving off. Between, I would be willing to give five seconds She's looking in the rear view, and she sees Harrison Ford get up in the house. Mm-hmm. Between the five seconds of her seeing him and her actually starting to drive away, I guess Harrison Ford was able to make it into the back of the truck. Maybe. Well, so there's a tiny little cinematography thing where she opens the door. She gets out of the first car and opens the door. And in the rearview mirror on the door, you can see Harrison Ford behind the car. And I, so, like, I, I still get that it's he moved super fast. Really? I thought he did. I swear it only showed him just rising up in the house. No, it was it was a really, like, I mean, a second maybe. Like, she opens the door, gets out. If you look in the rearview mirror, you can see a shadow. And then she closes it, and she's running towards the car. Well, maybe I'm just dumb. I'll take your word for it. Um, so, Michelle Pfeiffer is driving, she's got her cell phone and she's trying to call, um, but because she's on the bridge, she has to make it to a certain point on the bridge before she can reach reception. Um, uh, yeah, dead spots. Harrison Ford, uh, breaks through the glass of the back of the truck, um, and he's, like, trying to steer the wheel from Michelle, she's screaming, she finally gets reception that she's, you know, being murdered or whatever, Um, she accidentally crashes her car, um, on an embankment near the bridge. And then this whole end scene is nuts. (laughs) Because here we are, we have the dead girl in her car, which again, we don't know how she's actually inside of the car. Underwater. Michelle's car is going underwater. Um, she's underwater for a long time, by the way, but at the same time, she's... She spends so much time underwater in her bathtub that she's developed 
really good lungs, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and so the ghost of the dead girl, uh, I guess, just soars through the water and like grabs Harrison Ford by surprise. Also, the CGI, the CGI on her is it's so bad. is so bad. Um, it's really terrible. E- even for this time in the year two thousand, it's just really bad. Um, it was pretty bad. And so uh, Michelle manages to escape, and Harrison just stays underwater with the ghost girl, uh, and they plunge toward the bottom of the of the water. Michelle Pfeiffer gets away, uh, and the ending is Michelle Pfeiffer is putting flowers on the grave of the dead girl, and she just walks away. And yes. yeah, that that's the end of the movie. Okay, the end was bad. It was a really crappy ending. It was not very satisfying. So, any final thoughts on this movie? Anything you felt like we didn't cover? I think it was, I think it went, I really liked it. It was way better than the last movie, Term Life, that we watched. Yeah. Yeah, so So, yeah, so I think, well, I'll try and keep track of when we do the movies of which movies we rate as the worst. Um, (laughs) Term Life, definitely worse than What Lies Beneath. Honestly, What Lies Beneath, like, it wasn't that bad of a movie. It just had multiple small issues that over time just did and made it yeah yeah just made it a really big problem um because yeah like the cinematography was great i think i think the the stuff that made the movie was really good and then the plot had enough small things in it that were wrong that took away from it and like the acting wasn't all that bad like i i thought michelle pfeiffer did a pretty good job Mm -hmm. i did not like harrison ford's acting at all (laughs) um but i i thought michelle did a great job um so really the movie if you were to like rewrite it a bit it could be doable yeah it has a lot of room for potential i feel like if they like spent less time on like the neighbor story and like did other character development in those first 50 minutes it would have been a lot better it would have been a little less of the furors and give us a little bit more of harrison ford if we had not spent 53 minutes chasing after something that has nothing to do with the end of the movie, <laughs> this movie could have been a lot better. Um, so even though we have a lot of negative things to say, it's important that we recognize all sides of the issue. So it is now time for our all sides segment. For all sides, we will explore one, two, three, four, and five star reviews of this movie, all of which come from Amazon, the place where crazy people go to review movies. <laughs> um, are you guys ready for our all sides segment? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, I will go, uh, I'll read the one star review and then we can go from there. So this is, I can't believe I wasted an hour and a half or more on this by Denison. <laughs> Seriously? The actors, yes, I know who they are, must have been desperate for screen time or money. I can't believe I wasted an hour and a half or more on this mediocrity. I did watch it until the end. Mia culpa. I was hoping for something redeeming, but obviously it never happened. Holy moly. (laughs) Cut me a break. I will never view Ford or Pfeiffer the same way again. What a shame. At age 71, to have my illusions so shattered. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I Um, feel so bad that her dreams were destroyed by this movie, I guess. You know what? If she is this efficient at using Amazon at 71, I feel like we have to believe her. I, yeah, I agree. 
Ryan, would you like to read the two-star movie review? Sure. Um, this one is called Bail 15 Minutes In. Um, the movie opens with the extremely beautiful Michelle Pfeiffer, wet, in the bathtub, followed by a whole lot of she and the incredibly handsome and super brilliant Harrison Ford engaging in frisky, naughty behavior. This allows for some shirtless Ford time and some silky, nighty Pfeiffer shots. This flimsy, chemistry-less co- couple coupling went on till I thought about poking myself in the eye. So I watched another movie. If you can get past the forced character stage and perfect lives and the dated feel of the pacing, they might have put together a, spus- a suspense story in there. This mo- The way he describes them makes me feel like he watched the whole movie. Because he was so obsessed over the fact that both of them had, like, some sexy scenes. I was just like, how much of the movie did you watch then? To be fair, like, there was quite a bit of that, and I don't know if it was needed necessarily. Oh, it definitely wasn't needed. Well, I mean, if you put both of them in a movie, you're gonna expect that. True. And I don't think... But to be, like, I mean, I guess Harrison Ford kind of was a bit of a sex icon. Mm Mm-hmm. And at this time, he did have a great bod. I'll give him yeah. that. And so was Michelle Pfeiffer. She looked yeah. great. She did look great, actually. They did really good with her in that. Yeah, she was awesome. Uh, John, would you like to read the three-star review? It's a bit of a long one. That's fine. Uh, titled, I liked the suspense and the supernatural element. I like the suspense and the supernatural element, but the weird thing is, I just could not stop fixating on how unbelievably rich the lead characters would have to be to own that huge, beautiful lakeside home with that exquisite landscaping all around it. The Harrison Ford character was supposed to be a college professor. Well, at the very best, they earn about 80k a year, and certainly can't afford the kind of real estate that is shown in this film. This bothered me quite a lot. I actually stopped caring about the mystery. I just wanted to know how a college professor, even a superstar geneticist, the Harrison Ford character, supposed to be a researcher and professor, was supposed to have paid for that gorgeous lakeside estate. She must have missed the entire point of the movie where they said this was his dad's house. She did not pay attention to that at all because it, it's <laughs> it's well explained that they got this house from their dad or from a his dad. Times, yeah. But honestly, it, it that, yeah. She was not paying much attention. Yeah, well, well, at least she gave it a three-star review. She could have given it. She could have given it less. Yeah, uh, I'm the fact that she was just like so caught up. <laughs> She's got to be a realtor or something. Yeah, so uh, I'll read the four-star review. Um, this just like in term life, we had a weird one that was written off and on in all caps. Moments where she writes in caps, I'm gonna put extra emphasis. This is called a decent ghost movie by Snowflake Grandma. I am a big fan of Michelle Pfeiffer, Harrison Ford, and ghost movies. This one is truly a ghost movie. Not a scary have to have all the lights on, but a good goosebump, tingly type movie. Both play a married couple who start having troubles because Claire starts seeing ghosts and hearing voices in their home. Spencer believes it's just her imagination, but the husband is always wrong. There are four special features on this DVD. Please remember, readers, this is only my opinion on this movie. Thanks for reading. Bye. Nice. I like that she, like, made sure people know it's just her opinion. Exactly. She's very considerate. She even thanks us for reading. She gives us a, a salutation. Well, thank um, you, Snowflake Grandma. Thank you, Snowflake Grandma. So, so polite. Uh, Ryan, would you like to read our five-star review? Sure. This one is just about as weird as the two-star one. So it's called Revenge is a Dish. So five stars, it's worth 5,000 stars to see Mr. Perfect 
perfect husband, perfect father, perfect president, Jack Ryan, Dr. Richard Kimball, Indiana Jones, perfect, 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 finally get what he's got coming to him. Just kidding. But it's very satisfying to see HF, or I guess Harrison Ford, reprise his perfect husband persona as the pawn scum battle in this flick. Amber Valletta from Revenge finally gets her revenge. Diana Scarwith, Mommy Dearest, is good in supporting role, and Michelle Pfeiffer is Michelle Pfeiffer. Not said. Lesser actors, this probably wouldn't have been such a good film. Directed by the great Bob Zemeckis. This lady spends so much time just describing other movies these people have been in and referencing <laughs> to them. I can't tell if she likes or doesn't like Harrison Ford. I think she loves Harrison oh, Ford. Oh, she is gaga for Harrison because she is just perfect. She uses the word perfect at least eight times in this movie. But then she's like, it's about time he got what was coming to him. Well, I guess in all so, the other movies, he gets away with everything. Yeah. 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 Well... That is another great segment of All Sides. <laughs> Thank you, Amazon, for providing us with such great material. Now, Sponsorship not acquired. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, as promised in, uh, during the episode, uh, we're going to reenact uh, the absolutely crazy dialogue between Michelle Pfeiffer and her neighbor, Mary Fuhr, before <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer knows what's really going on between the two neighbors. If you guys don't mind, I would love to start us off as Mrs. Fewer. Um, would either of you like to play Michelle? I think I can play Michelle Pfeiffer. All right, Dude, okay. I'm excited. All right, uh, Ryan, uh, just get into character and then uh, just start whenever you're ready. Okay. Hello? Miss Fewer, hello, are you all right? He's so... It's too much? I can't, I can't, I can't breathe. And I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? That one day I'll just... Just disappear. Is there something I can do? Can I... I've never even met you. I know. I'm sorry. I've just been concerned. This... This fence. It, it's so... I'm sorry. Listen, would you like to come over for a cup of coffee or... Oh gosh, he's back. I'm sorry. Please forget what I said. I don't even know what I'm saying. And scene. That is the whole dialogue. That is beautiful. That, I, I was hard, it touched my heart. Reading it over again. I was not prepared for you to come in like that. Oh, well, thank you. I have rehearsed this so many times. Um, Can you, like, go ahead and move to Hollywood? <laughs> I'm going to be in the reboot of this movie. Um, <laughs> I'm not supposed to talk about it, but I feel like it's okay to say. Um... <laughs> John, would you like to try uh, your hand in any of this? Uh, uh, in any I of this don't dialogue? think it's even possible for me to begin to live up to what just occurred. Oh, I'm sure you. I'm sure you could work wonders with this script. That is so well written. <laughs> John, I need your perspective. Okay, who am I playing? Mrs. Fear, of course. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, Ryan, would you like to reprise as Michelle Pfeiffer? I don't think I could ever match my performance, so I feel like you should take over. <laughs> Okay, I'll be Michelle. Um, I'll take just a second to get into okay, character. I need, I need to get distraught and hysterical real quick. Uh, can you count us down, please, Ryan? Alright, I'm gonna do the iCarly one. Okay. okay. Five, four, three, two. Hello? Mrs. Fuhr, hello? Are you alright? He's so. It, it's too much. I can't. I, I can't breathe and I, I'm afraid. 
What? What are you afraid of? That one day I'll just, uh, just, just disappear. Is there something I can do? Can I? I've never even met you. I know I'm... I'm sorry. I've been concerned with my garden. <laughs> this, this fits. It's, it's, it's so... I'm sorry. Listen, would you like to come over for a cup of coffee or... Oh my gosh, he's back. Please, please forget what I said. I don't, I don't even know what I'm saying. And scene. I'm sorry. I, I just felt like as an actor, I had to ad-lib <laughs> the garden um, since it's so important in this movie. To be fair, she is in the garden at this point. I just want to say something. Uh-huh. You guys have no right to roast these actors. <laughs> what? We're so much better. I feel it's like... A stretch. I can't believe they passed us over for these roles. You know, I auditioned back in 2000 when this came out. When oh. you were a year old? Yeah. And I uh, bet you got a call back. Am I, I did, right? but my parents wouldn't fly me out because, you know, being an infant and such... Uh, <laughs> you could play a good Michelle Pfeiffer probably. Parents just don't understand. <laughs> um, Ryan, by chance, would you like to also take on the Michelle... F- uh, not Michelle Pfeiffer, the Mrs. Fewer role. I mean, I guess. Peer pressure and all. Okay. John, would you like to play Michelle Pfeiffer? I, I can do that. Okay. I'll give you a, a second to get into character. Um, so just take your time. Okay. Just I don't know if I can ever live up to her, but I will try my best. All right, I will count you down iCarly style. Uh, five, four, three, two. Hello? Miss Fear? Hello? Are you all right? He's so... It's too much. I can't. I can't breathe. I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? That one day I'll just... I'm just going to disappear. Is there something I can do? Can I... I've never met you. Oh, I, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I've just been concerned. This, this fence is just so... I'm sorry. Listen, would you like to come over and have a cup of coffee or... Oh my gosh, he's back. I'm sorry. Please just forget what I said. I don't even know what I'm saying. And scene. Such a beautiful dialogue. Um, I can't believe none, none of us were in this movie. Um, I know. I'll make sure that when I'm in the movie that you guys can at least be extras because I think you deserve that much for this film. Um, I appreciate it. I really just hope if people don't watch this movie um, that they can at least understand how crazy this dialogue was because if you really listen to it, the fact that she says she's afraid... Yeah. Why is she afraid? She's so passionately in love with this man. Why would she be afraid of anything about well, and, this? And then, like, what does she mean she's just going to disappear? Yeah, it, it's... I have so many questions. I... Uh, it's just so awful. Uh, like, Michelle... Fence, I mean, the fence is just... It's so... What is the fence? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just there. It's not even that. They're looking like they're looking at each other through a hole in the fence in this scene. It, it makes no sense. It's so I guess strange. It's restrictive? I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um. So, would you guys recommend this movie? Why or why not? Absolutely. <laughs> and why would you recommend it, Ryan? I recommend anything with Michelle Pfeiffer. I am very um, biased. Okay, very valid. John, would you or would you not recommend this movie? To be honest, I still really enjoyed this movie. And so, yeah, I would 100% recommend it. 
I think, I mean, if it's one of those movies where, like, when I saw it on Netflix for the first time, I was like, oh, this looks so interesting. Yeah, I'll watch it. Um, but now knowing it, I would recommend it if, like, you're kind of doing it along with, like, another task. Like, there's something else you're focusing on and you're just kind of watching it, mm. like, in the background. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't devote 100% of my attention to watching this movie. Yeah, but, like, you need something for noise and you're mildly interested. And, you know, like the one reviewer said, there's a lot of shirtless Harrison Ford and Michelle if Pfeiffer's a housewife. Thing, then... And if that's your thing, then, you know watch this movie yeah if if you like hearing people make whoopee noises watch this movie um so closing announcements uh tune into our next episode where we roast and toast the 2006 teen comedy sleepover uh starring spy kids alum alexa vega uh, if you have comments about this movie, things that we didn't cover, uh, or suggestions for movies for us to roast and toast, you can send them to the Roast and Toast Podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear what you have to say. Uh, and also watch the movie Sleepover so that you know exactly what we're talking about, because believe me, the movie has problems. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into the second episode. I'm Jordan. I'm John. And I'm Ryan. And we are so glad you roasted and toasted with us. Have a great day, everyone.